0: Rachel and that guy would like to acknowledge that all the opinions and the views expressed on Into the Ether are that of the hosts and do not reflect upon our sponsors. Thank you and enjoy. Get in and take the
1: ride, man.
0: Welcome, everybody, as we take you on another journey into the ether. Welcome back everybody, this is Olly McShmammer, otherwise known as that guy. We're introducing you to the city slag with the Gucci swag, El Rocho. What's going on little big guy? Hey, what's going on buddy? It is Friday, March 1st, which means it's... First Friday! Hell yeah, and it's perfect weather for that right about now. 70 degrees, couldn't be better. Now, if you're not a local to Vegas, you don't really know what the heck we're talking about, so we're going to go ahead and break it down for you. Every first Friday, they do a little thing in downtown Las Vegas. Fremont to Street, right? Fremont Street, downtown area, Art District. And they get all the food trucks together. They all present their food. Everybody goes down there, has fun, drinks and beers. They have activities, contests, and prizes. And if you're local, go ahead, make a way down there.
1: And if you're making your way out to Las Vegas, I'd definitely plan around this time. It's starting to warm up and starting to get better, and it definitely First Friday is the best time to come around.
0: Yeah, I mean, we haven't had snow in a week, so
1: hey, that's, that's good.
0: we're going to go ahead and talk about a pretty deep episode. We're not going to give a time limit to this episode because we don't know how far we're going to go into this rabbit hole. Now, what we're going to be speaking about is mental health, and we're going to break it down in a couple different segments. first segment that we really want to get out there and stress is, first, how does this affect our life? directly well as both el rocho and i are veterans and one of the big stigmas that we have in the veteran community is the common phrase 22 in a day which basically breaks down to everyday 22 veterans commit suicide where does this come from back in i believe it was 2012 the va's suicide data actually rallied up all the numbers that they had of suicides in that span of time what they found was that active duty people who had been deployed and people who are out the number of suicides amounted to 22 in a day and it led to this really big movement where you would see on youtube people doing the 22 a day challenge have you ever seen that
1: one yeah i've seen it a couple times i mean it's it's
0: i mean if if you're into these challenges you know you see them on youtube whatever the blind bird Whatever it is. The Momo Challenge. The, Mo- well, the Momo Challenge is a different conversation. But you see these challenges. This is one of the challenges. It's like the ALS challenges. is something that you want to do. Right. You know what I mean? This is not something that you want to shy away from. Basically, you videotape yourself doing 22 push-ups for 22 days. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And it's any way you can do them. Some people get elaborate with them. I, I've actually done them. What it boils down to is a really big epidemic. Now, there's been naysayers saying that that number is skewed. In any way, shape, or form, but the bottom line is this just one veteran a day is too many. And we have a whole, I mean, it's not even just a generation, it's it's a couple generations now because Generation Kill started back in 2000, 2001 is when we were attacked, right? Right. So, what got you, was that something that stirred in your blood that got you to join the Marines? 9 uh, 11? Because how old were you when that happened?
1: I was. In eighth grade, I think I was like 13 or 14 around that time. I was actually in history class, sit there in the back of the class, and his TV's up in the right hand corner. I remember someone rushing in, into the class at that time. It was messed up. That was my brother's birthday. My brother's birthday is on 9 11. So we had just, you know, wished him a happy birthday before class and stuff. And then I come into class, sit down, and all of a sudden, you know, see that on TV. And Man, that was a pivotal moment. Cause I yeah, that, I mean,
0: cause that, that, at that particular moment in time, our whole generation was stunted. I mean, there's different ways to describe You have an analogy of, of a stranded generation. I like to say that it's a stunted generation. And basically what I, I boil it down to is, especially I'm one of the last generation of soldiers that wasn't under this new progressive leadership. That had been going on. So when you had mental health problems when I first started in the military, you didn't say anything about it. You just basically drank water, HMOTRIN, and you moved on. You same, know,
1: Yeah, same shit, man.
0: Yeah, Charlie Mike. You didn't get that level of care at the beginning of my military career. Not only that, but you got to remember, like, we, our, our older generations, our fathers and our mothers, you know, they, they didn't have mental health. About the only thing that they had was rub some bacon grease on it, drink a Verner's, and get back to work. You know what I'm saying?
1: <laughs> yeah, it sounds like grandma.
0: Exactly, and that's the way that we were kind of brought up, but in our generation, it just follows the beat of that same drum. What ended up happening is somewhere in between, we started to realize that the beat wasn't going right. What we were doing was we were stunting our generations to come, including us, me and you that are speaking right now, and everybody that's probably listening. The way i like to akin it to is a place that's in the news right now it's a shining example north korea it's, it's dominating the news because of the, the big summit but what you see in actual statistics with north korea nearly one-third of the children there under five show signs of stunting because they're being malnourished so it's the same concept over here only we did it to ourselves mentally you know, it's it's always been a spit on it, rub some dirt, and continue mission for us. Lately, we're seeing that mental health is playing in an even bigger arena than what it was before. Because it doesn't just include people who are sad and want to cry all day. Like we said, we've seen some highly functional, depressed people. Right. Because some of the signs that you would see is just being tired. I know, like, when I was in my state of having manic depression, I wasn't sad. I just didn't want to do anything. I just wanted to sleep. I mean, it wasn't that I was sad, I was crying, I wanted to, but that was my level of, of direction with it. And a lot of other people, they take different avenues and when it starts leaning into a bigger arenas and you got different pathways to different things like opioids, you know, whatever it is. And now we're just kind of stuck as like a stunted generation that's looking for any way to get out of this, you know, funk that it seems that everybody seems to be in. And it's not just a funk that everybody's like in despair. It's actual mental health, depression, stuff like that. And there are different people like you have Mission 22, you know, different establishments that are out there and they're trying to put this out and make everybody aware of what's going on. And we try to put out as much information as we can we come, we come across it. We want that message out there and we'd like everybody to know that. Especially in the veterans community, you have somebody to talk to at any point in time.
1: So I want to know when you got out, got out and transitioned out of the military. I want to know how they treated you for mental illness because you were talking about being able to pick out whatever the fuck you wanted to. Yeah, it almost became like a racket. Like I, I want to say that it
0: had, Big Pharma had something to do with it because it wasn't an exact analysis. It was pretty much the guy looked at your record. He had a PowerPoint of everything he could prescribe to us. And then basically he told them what he wanted us prescribed. So now you have these people that are given all these pills and it leads to addiction. And I've seen it happen many times, especially throughout the military. Most definitely. Addiction is a big byproduct through mental health. I mean, because the reason people normally go to drugs is because they're missing something and they're not happy about something. The reason they're not happy is because there's a chemical imbalance in their brain. Correct. Right. Which, for some odd reason, a lot of people think that heroin, you know, oxycodone, stuff like that is, is the answer, and it's not. But that's a different part of our story. We're going to go ahead
1: and even jump into that a little bit right about now. So, I consider you consider the generation to be stunted i consider it to be stranded because you know with us no one really gave a fuck about us and you guys they really really didn't give a fuck but when i say they they didn't give a fuck about us ritalin was starting to just become a big thing and Concerta was just becoming a big thing and you know xanax and all this shit so we were fucking test dummies man
0: Yeah, around the 90s, it just seemed like if you were a normal kid that had...
1: A problem, anything, if you twitch or something. Yeah,
0: a normal kid, you know, demeanor, you had ADHD and... They tried to stick you on Ritalin, so that's like normally people's very first experience with mental health. What'd Yo, you say?
1: I literally was—I used to write out poems and stuff because remember those white books that you had to write it, like a different poem for each? Like it was a young reader's yeah, mother, whatever the fuck, young author, like whatever. Miss Lounsbury's yeah. class. <laughs> well, I'm sitting in Miss Green's class, and I'd like just drawing out these pages and stuff, and you know. Just, I I just didn't want to pay attention. It wasn't that I didn't care what she was saying. Is I didn't want to pay attention. Well, you I'm were just, a kid. I was in a different world. You know, I'm drawing sound. So they're telling me that just because I'm not paying attention to someone else, that they're reading out of a book, that I'm wrong. So they, they threw me on these pills. They threw me on Ritalin. And I, you know, I don't remember much from my childhood. But I remember one time, you know, I had taken this. It was probably maybe two or three days of me and taking in. And dude, I think maybe three hours after I had taken the pill, I was literally rocking underneath my desk, like thinking that the world was about to fucking pull me out of it.
0: Well yeah, because early in the nineties it was it was all uncharted territory. Before they had a lot of archaic types of ways to deal with mental health, you know, the old Cattle prods where they shock your brain and stuff like that, but now they're starting to realize that it was actual chemicals that are being released in your brain or not being released in your brain. So, what they're doing with these psychedelic or the psychotropic drugs is trying to either kickstart that part of your brain or put a synthetic form of that serotonin or that dopamine or whatever that you're missing. They're trying to do
1: that. Now they're using... Uh, they're testing ketamine. I was watching a thing a couple of days ago that was even and on the ketamine's news. a heavy, heavy drug. Yeah, that's a horse <clears throat> tranquilizer for them to use that. That's crazy. But so what I was saying about it being a just... stranded generation was that... So no one really gave a fuck about us. And so we're going through all these years of, you know, holding all this stuff in. And people being like, you know what... We're
0: riding in the back seat. And... The parents are saying, "Shut up and sit down," exactly, and not watching.
1: Yeah, it's like we're we're literally going on this long fucking road trip, and this road trip is accumulating all over all these years of, "Hey, you're not, you're not, There's nothing wrong. You're just being a pussy. There's just you're nothing. There's Suck nothing wrong." Okay, just a little disclaimer for this. I want even anybody that has problems. I want them to understand that if don't ever. Dismiss how you feel if you feel fucked up and you don't feel right go get checked out because seriously th- There's nobody that knows how you feel, but you so if someone dismisses how you feel fuck what they think Because I understand it's a big problem with a lot of people when you know, we're going through all these years of, of this Building up of these problems and then all of a sudden now we're trying to teach our kids this stuff And how do we teach our kids how to be better human beings when? We were, we were brought taught. up, you know, and I can't even say fucked up, and just they were taught differently, and they were taught different, but, but now we're coming at the point that we're trying to stop it, and we're trying to teach our kids that, you know, it's not, it's not it's okay to be It's all right to, to be, talk about your feelings. Yeah, it's not okay to be sad. It's not okay to hold it in. It's not okay because, you know, that's why a lot of these people, even these young kids, man, these kids at 11 and 12 are committing suicide, and it's like, yo, I... I don't remember anybody growing up in my age thinking of wanting to hurt themselves at that age. I, you know, I I wanted to go out and play. And I can't say every single kid because I'm sure that there's kids that have, you know, problems they come at from different that same situations. time. Right. Yeah. But now it's becoming more out in the public, which is, that's the thing is when it's becoming publicly known that kids of that age are hurting themselves and, you know, going to that point of they're not feeling right. That's when it's an issue and it all boils down to the homes and like I said, how do we teach our children, you know, better coping mechanisms? You know, we're learning everything off of fucking YouTube too. You know, seriously, we're learning everything off of YouTube or listening to a podcast on Spotify or fucking, you know, reading an article on Google. Yeah, yeah,
0: I mean there's there's a there's a gap that we have to bridge. Nobody denies that we're not trying to get there. And it's it's a great thing because we actually notice that there is a gap there. You know what I'm saying? We wouldn't be talking about this 15 years ago. 15 years ago, we would be talking about something very machismo-like. Right now, we're at a point in time to where we have these avenues and everybody has a voice. And if you do actually have a problem, you can always reach out and somebody's going to be there. It's possible that we can use, you know, avenues like this podcast and YouTube to bridge those gaps. You know, I'm not going to get my my 70-year-old mom to watch YouTube because that's just not her thing. Sure. But if, you know, her grandkids could just start talking about her around her and stuff like that different ways that she didn't know as a child.
1: If they're, because, you know, we want to create a little podcast, side podcast and stuff. So I, I want to ask you if... You were to talk to your children once your children hears this and everything like that. You know, what would you want to tell them for them to understand from your point of view that you wish you could have changed? You know, as a mental health wise, you know, what would you tell him? Because like if I could tell mine, you know, when my my sons hear this, I want them to know that you know what. I don't care what anybody tells you or no matter what, you're not a pussy for feeling sad. You're not a pussy for feeling down. You know, if you really have something to say, like you have parents and you have a social structure that will always support you and make sure that you're okay mentally and physically. I wanted that growing up and my mom and dad did the best job that they possibly could do in that, but they didn't have the sources that we do in this generation. So I want to be able to, my, I want my children to know that, especially my son's Men-wise, like, yo, it's okay to be a man and be sad. It's okay a man to be down, but it's not okay to hold this stuff in because the more you hold it in, it's just going to make problems worse for the long run, and it won't help you out holding it in day after day. You know what I'm saying?
0: I understand that. Yeah, my message is very, very straightforward to any young man out there, my son, my, my, my nephews. Basically, is that your strength is not defined by the way other people see you. Now, if somebody sees you crying and they want to say something about it, or somebody says that you're complaining when you have a legitimate gripe, it doesn't matter because those people have no bearing on you as well. The content of your character should be so strong that shouldn't even phase you or touch you because no matter where you go, you're always going to run into that guy. And I am that guy, but I'm not that guy. I would never be that guy. And I teach my son, don't be that guy.
1: You know, my littlest brother, he is so funny. He, Because, dude, he is the happiest fucking little guy. Like, dude, and I'm not, he's not a little guy. You know, he's... Little big for, guy. Yeah, he's a little he's big guy. Still your little brother. <laughs> you know, and, but the reason why I bring him up, because, you know, I wish I could be like him uh emotionally and mentally and just spiritually and just he's such a happy happy kid and you know even when he's down and depressed and when things are going dude you wouldn't even know this because this kid can hold it in but he has he him himself has learned ways to to cope and cope and because he you know he does um grappling tournaments and you know he goes to school and he works hard and he has this little family going on so he he's found a way to keep himself busy exactly in a time when he's really stressing even at the worst time you could just he's he's always happy and so i wish that one day i could just be like him
0: and keeping yourself busy is one of those things that i mean there's two ways to keep yourself busy you don't want to keep yourself busy to the point where it's breaking your mental health you know you're working 60 plus hours just to pay bills but you want to keep yourself busy in a sense that keeps your mind just constantly learning. Const- I mean, Jiu Jitsu is a great way. I used to do ju- uh growing up. And when you get into grappling, it's, it's been described as kinetic chess. And it's a perfect analogy because no matter what you do, you're going to always be working out brand new problems. So your brain's constantly fluxing. It's constantly working. And it's a great way to get away. I've had a few conversations with Cash. And yeah, every time, it's it's always been a delay having a conversation with him.
1: You know, I I was I was never big on meditation. Like, I was never big on meditation. I wasn't into the, you know, Reiki. I didn't believe. And I never uh, did all that. But um, I dated with someone and... When I first started dating her, I didn't realize, you know, she had mental mental issues, you know? And, and I mean, that's not a pun. We're not no, saying no. that in, as a bad thing. I'm saying it because, like, she made me realize that, like, I used to think... That even myself feeling down with. Now was she
0: upfront with you, like when you guys first started yeah, dating? Yeah, yeah, She, she was. Up, she, she said just, just to everything. let you know, you might come home one day, and I won't be a hundred percent.
1: Yeah, and you know, and I understood that. You know what I'm saying? And so See, I. See, and that's I, good. I on you, you know, that.
0: because a lot of guys, especially in these days and ages, will turn around and 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 duck and run.
1: Oh no, no, no! Because you know, Things good on you, mate She, she's an amazing person. She's seriously, her heart is so huge. And the reason I say it is because you know she had. You know she has mental issues but she found a way to source it she had done this program while she was um, uh, when I was with her and man the things I learned from her you know the every week she would go to she would teach me the stuff and you know even when she didn't think I was listening I was still paying attention so she
0: was taking the workshop coming back and bringing the tools to me yeah,
1: and I was listening, but she didn't think I was paying attention, which I think that fucked a lot of things up. Which we'll talk about. Well, in it's
0: that's one thing. Women, you have to understand. If I'm sitting down and I'm playing a game and you're talking to me, I'm gonna hear everything you say. I might not sound it, it might not look like it, but I'm going. You know. So continue. But, <laughs> but
1: my thing is though, I want to say to anybody in a relationship with someone that does have a mental issue or mental illness or something, that give them your full attention Cause because it's gonna take work yeah and, and not just that is that maybe that you can pay attention into a way that you can hear something and still do something else but they will f- maybe they still feel neglected even though that you're literally could respond every word to word maybe they do need that full attention and you know now that you know I've had time to grow up a little bit and realize that you know she was trying to t- teach me something. my tactic
0: is always hand them the controller and then get another one and teach them how to play the game.
1: See, with us, you know, she we we always did, like I said, the meditations and you know, with the tarot cards, and we went and you know, did stuff. So like she that. did
0: the same thing, only opposite. Of, she took you into her world, right? As opposed to me handing. Exactly. And that's and that's a great thing because I've done, I've done yoga, and I've done meditation. I've done. I like to do astral projection exercises. So her taking you in that world and just
1: showing you that that's awesome.
0: You know, and the thing
1: is, man, is what I really learned a lot from her and my brother is that, you know, I'm really the fucked up one. I thought, you know, maybe Cassius was a little too happy, so there's some... He's the problem, or maybe... You you would
0: say it was a little bit of projecting?
1: Yeah, and maybe, you know, she was all She dissolved herself in this and this and this, so maybe she had... But really, I was the one hiding myself in my work and fucking, you know, doing the, you know, smoking weed all the time and fucking, you know, just putting myself down. I was the virus. Now that I've grown up enough in just a year, I realized I was the virus. And, you know, I feel bad because I was sending back her mental health. You know what I'm saying? That's why I'm saying this is a big thing is because people that are toxic will fucking make you feel like you well, have the issue when really well, sometimes
0: people don't realize that they're toxic that's all part of mental health
1: and you know that's the thing is that you know she always tried to get you me never to... you
0: never thought yourself as the devil
1: no you know and she you know she always had me she wanted me to go to therapy and i i went to a couple of times of therapy and i thought everything which is a
0: double-edged sword
1: going. yeah and i thought everything was going good and it was at the time but then i quit going you know it's like a person that takes meds, you know, you, you taking them, you're feeling good, and you're feeling good, and you think that, so now you don't need them, and it's not the, you know, it's not the case, you know, I should have kept on going to therapy, I should have kept on, I should have listened to her, I should have, but I didn't, because I consumed myself and work, because, you know, that's what I was taught her to do, um was pretty much, you know what, suck it up, deal with it, go to work and eventually make enough money and you'll be happy. And I realized that wasn't the case, man.
0: That's what we ended up dealing with. We came up with a generation, like you said, was stranded. On that note, we're going to go ahead and jump into our inspiration of the week. Going to lighten up the mood a little bit. This week we are token down Original Kosher. It is a sativa and I purchased this little package over at Thrive Market of Nevada. They have two locations one on Cheyenne, one downtown. This little package came with the OG Kush which sits just at 23.6%
1: THC, man. That was pretty wild. It's pretty I like it. I like the taste, I like the color. I like the hairs. Just I'm a big sativa person anyway. So,
0: yeah, if you definitely want to get creative, this is the strain that you want to go with. It's not really too much for medical, although you all know, all of it is very very medical. You know
1: what the thing is though is a sativa. I really do feel, man, if helps you out because on those dark days that you just want to lay around in bed it fucking gives you that mm, get out of that bed extra oomph of to creativity open the curtains you know
0: what i'm saying yep. see that
1: there's a beautiful world out there
0: and the other thing that came on the ass under that package is uh some johnny chimpo and some blue alien those came at 500 milligram oil and those they're getting rid of uh two cartridges for 80 with that we're gonna go and see you on the other side of the center mission back everybody we're going to go ahead and take a step back and dissect this into different parts one of the big things that ends up being a big byproduct of mental health is substance abuse
1: right that's a big thing especially now man
0: yes now and when we say substance abuse it doesn't just talk about the the current epidemics that are going around alcohol was the very first substance abuse problem in america
1: all the way back in the great depression man
0: yeah it was one of the biggest reasons and and once again where did that stem from it stemmed from these men who were working these long hours building these great things that we see now being depressed and not exactly wanting to go back home but wanting to go have some beers with the guys at first and it ended up snowballing into full-blown alcoholics
1: right and now it's modernized because like you said with modern times come modern vices but now you know back in the day they didn't have Molly, acid, you know, everything else in the world. Or anything as readily as codeine. Right. Uh, one of
0: the biggest things you were talking about in the hip hop community is.
1: is codeine and promethazine. Sisur. Yeah, you know, there's an interview that Future did for his new album that Juice World went up to him and told him that he was the reason why that he started drinking lean and. and lean is that codeine mix. Codeine with promethazine. Yeah. And. Future was kind of set back and was like, wow, you know, when you're in when the studio and you're performing and you're selling music. You're not thinking
0: about the repercussions 10 years, 20 years down the road.
1: At my time, when we were listening to Future, oh shit, you know, that was dope you see, to do. and it's
0: like you said, it's a generational thing because it all stemmed... I remember in the 90s, it was Sister, 3-6 Mafia, the only rap group, or the first rap group to get a... they got an Oscar. So... They they had a breakthrough hip sipping on some scissor and basically that is them promoting
1: Cody and lean and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and that grew into something. And future being the next generation went picked that up, put it in his hip hop because that's what he had learned.
1: Because you know down south, you know was big for that, and even Lil Wayne, you know, he talked about it, and he even was saying that. Don't fucking do it just because I'm doing it. It's
0: it, one of those So like, do as from, I say, not as I do things.
1: And you know, in like little towns where I'm from, you know, there ain't shit to do. There isn't. You work all these fucking hours, you slave for all these fucking people, and then you get your paycheck at the end of the week and where do you want to go? You want to go to your local pub, you want to go with your homies, you want to fucking feel a release. So, but you know what, there's a time when all of a sudden these people take these releases like back in the day... Because
0: it's an actual substitute for real mental health.
1: And they end up becoming addicted, so, you know, they end up becoming hooked to whatever vice they are, and now all these people are becoming, you know, addicted and have withdrawal symptoms. Now these mental illnesses are becoming out which is
0: Which is an epidemic that's sweeping across the world. I mean, we're talking about every drug that you could think of, and you have cities like in Northern California that are in Seattle, around the area, where they're having these clinics. For people to do heroin.
1: Methadone clinics. No so it's that.
0: not a methadone clinic it's literally a drug clinic where they go and they do the drugs they sit there but it's it's in the sense of a methadone clinic and methadone is a horrible way to treat somebody for mental health mm, especially yeah. if they have a problem of like bipolarism or uh, being schizophrenic because drugs like heroin and methadone which are so popular in that community right there don't do anything for that person but exacerbate their affliction even more
1: I don't want our listeners to think that we're both saints and that we're just preaching off fucking making people look bad so me personally you know weed was a vice for me a little bit but I think more of it was when I got into the psychotropics and stuff like that because I was into a different realm and it released me from other things but yeah. And that was all,
0: and that was all in reflection of what you're going through yourself mentally, because drug use is just the byproduct of the mental health issue that we're dealing with. I mean, it doesn't have to be depression. It could, like I said, be other afflictions that you have. Anxiety is one of the biggest mental health afflictions that's going through America
1: right now. And then also, when I was hurt, they were, they, you know, like I. They fueled me up with Vicodin and Percocets and all this shit from the VA. So they literally got me the fucking hooked to synthetic heroin. Thank God I fucking broke myself off before I ever touched the needle. But seriously, you know. And a lot it. of
0: people just aren't that lucky. Especially when we see these numbers today. How how far they've risen from the last, you know, since 2012. I mean, it's just gone rampant. And then with, like you said, the, the advent of new vices like fentanyl becomes a very dangerous situation that we're living in today. We like to say that it all has something to do with poverty, it all has something to do with somebody's background. What it all comes down to is the mental health of our society in general.
1: And you know, it's so bad that, what, a few weeks ago, what, enough fentanyl? was about to be crossing the border from Mexico... Into yeah, I mean, it was... Kill, an, it what, was, 400 million people?
0: Yeah, it was, and that's the kind of stuff that... you don't even need to take. Somebody could have this stuff, accidentally drop a packet of it on the ground. People walk all over, then your kid... plays with the chalk on the ground and just touches the stuff, and your kid's
1: ODing. But my thing is, is... That's some very dangerous... That's a very dangerous substance. The reason why I say it is because... Drugs apparently aren't enough. It's apparently it's not enough just to do just a line of straight coke or you know do straight meth or straight this. Now they literally have to lace this shit with fentanyl to make this shit stronger. So that tells you not only as a drug dealer, but as a person that's consuming it that you have an issue that you're digging so deep in that now you have to dig something that's even laced and and, and and stronger and you're not
0: actually helping yourself you're just making it worse so a lot of a lot of the stigmas around mental health is a good way to deal with it is through pharmaceuticals whether it's synthetic or whether it's street drugs but talking is another way i know growing up as a child when i was going through my little ordeal which was completely fabricated and not on my behalf because I would never take that kind of attention away from actual victims. But I did get a chance at that point in time to talk to a therapist. Now, I wasn't exactly a depressed child. I had my problems just like every child does. Everybody has angst, right? Right. I mean, we all went gaga over Smallville because we seen Superman amidst teenage angst. Everybody feeds off of any drama. Well, my generation is a little bit more popular. You know, you get, I got about 10 years on you, buddy. <laughs> but the thing is, is it's kind of a drama thing that everybody kind of feeds off of at that age. So my thing was I was getting into a lot of trouble and I had a probation officer because I went through a lot of disciplinary problems because I was a very rambunctious young man. When I spoke to my probation officer after getting, out of, getting kicked out of my last foster home, He's like, why are you such a dick? And I was like, well, basically, guys annoy me, and one of the biggest things that I do to calm myself down is I smoke marijuana. So he took that as me being depressed. I don't know where that came from, but that's just what he had me labeled, and they started just feeding me these poisons and these chemicals. I started off with Prozac, and I went blind for a couple hours walking into uh, my middle school. And that's when I realized I need to get off of, you know, any of these chemicals, and I've steered away from them ever since. So along with my story is a happy ending where I didn't have to deal with the drugs. But I've seen it a lot, especially in my positions in the military and just personal family and friends around because this is an epidemic that happens all over the place. It doesn't matter if you live on Beverly Hills. It doesn't matter if you live down on Bonanza, East Bonanza. It's going to happen. It's somewhere along the line, you know?
1: Exactly. And, you know, um, I feel that mental health is either going to go one or two ways either it's and this i'm gonna start with the bad way first the bad way first is that they're going to either the okay there's two bad versions to be honest one version is that they're going to not listen to people with mental health and prescribe the people the medications that they need because of the opiate addiction and what happened with the doctors prescribing the Percocets and the Vicodin and stuff like that and getting these people hooked. And now these people that are hooked, now not only are they withdrawing because they don't have medications for their pain, now they're fucking have mental issues that have been exposed. So it makes it even worse. Yeah, because
0: once you introduce that chemical and you keep on feeding it to that body... The, the, the piece of the body atrophies, so once you take them, you have to keep taking them.
1: Exactly. And so that is going to happen, or the other route of bad is going to happen is that these doctors are going to over prescribe these Xanax and these Lexapros and these Prozacs and you know these Seroquils and the shit like that. And then you know what? Then all these people are going to be fucking addicted to benzos and shit. So then, yeah, because it's created, you're
0: messing with the body's chemistry, no matter what.
1: Exactly. now they created a bunch of monsters. Off of now, these people are, aren't only addicted to medications for pain. Now they're addicted to fucking medications for fucking mental. So eventually, where does it come to the point that you're not just fucking? You're just a walking pill bottle. Exactly.
0: Well, it's. Do I see another uh, really bad outcome to that? Which would be just the hamster wheel spinning. We keep going in the same cycle that we're going. I thought the best therapy wasn't sitting on a couch. It was sitting at a bar stool. Yeah, I some of the but, best therapists are bartenders.
1: Oh, most definitely, man. And I a lot of mine was drinking at home. Because you know what? I didn't feel like a drunk if I you know, I wasn't sitting at a bar stumbling somewhere. Seriously, that's how I that you know, that's fucked up when I think about it, is that's how I thought it was okay and I dismissed my problem for alcoholism. Was you know what? If nobody sees me drinking and I can still go to work the next day, no matter how much I fucking drank the night before, then I don't have a problem. Then I'm okay. But then you know what? Then it's becoming more and more that's fucked up where it's just you don't want to do that shit no more. You don't want to be that person no more. But then you realize that that's the only way you've been taught to cope. Like we talked about. You yeah, know, you got to stifle
0: the pain. You got to
1: stifle it down and just keep on working. The good part is that we can talk about this freely now. You know, that we can have people hear this and hear a voice and know what hear that it's okay. It's okay to go talk to someone. It's okay to, you know, go feel something. It's You don't have to hide your emotions because... Either you're going to hide those emotions and you're going to put them into something else that totally hides how you're feeling and it's going to be okay for a minute, but then eventually it's going to evolve another problem or you can actually be a grown adult and go... You're sit putting down. a
0: band-aid on a broken leg.
1: And I'm not telling you that you got to go sit down in front of a fucking therapist. It, yeah, I'm not saying therapy is bad because it's not. You know, them they're taught to fucking listen and yeah... Actually, There's a, a difference between
0: are. talking to a professional and talking to a non-professional. Because you never know what you're going to get with, you know, you're talking to your friend, you're talking to a family member, you're talking to a bartender. They could be a one-sided conversation or it could be a two-sided conversation or they could just hijack a conversation. Now, when you talk to a professional therapist, they're they're paid to listen. And they're not there to judge you. They're there to maybe help interpret some of the feelings that, you, that you've that you expressed while you've talked to them. So it's definitely a good avenue, even though it might be stigmatized. It's a good avenue to go through, whereas opposed to you never know what you're going to get when you're just talking to a friend. But as somebody who's lost a lot of friends, a lot of veteran buddies, you know, I know my, my line's always open. My door's always open, no matter where I am, what's happening any time of the day anybody can reach me if they feel like they're at that point where they're at the end of their rope
1: oh same for me man and especially you know now that we have a public voice and that we have an, a, a voice that we can put out for other it's people another listening. avenue another yeah. route into the ether exactly and so you know they can go on our facebook page and they can email us and we can talk to them privately you know they can find us we're not hiding on there you No, know, by no means so that they can come out and reach us or you know what you don't feel sick You don't even want to talk to us because, you know, guys want to talk to guys, girls want to talk to girls. You know what? We want to build a community. We want everybody to interact with each other. So if you see that somebody else might seem like I have another problem too, reach out to them. Because if we can kill two birds with one stone, you know what? I would rather help out everybody and put myself on blast. That's why I feel free with telling you guys my stories and stuff like that. Because I understand that... If someone's afraid to tell you their stories, how are you supposed to tell them your stories? So I want you guys to know that I'm I'm not a saint. I have problems. I have issues. I'm fucking diagnosed with bipolar and i'm diagnosed with fucking manic depressive and i was hooked on fucking pills and you know i dealt with alcoholism so i'm I'm diagnosed with being an asshole (laughs) you are though you really are but you want to know you're very smart the thing is though is you know we've it's awesome that people can feel comforted now because back in the day they didn't have this man
0: yeah like i said we're we're in uncharted territory but it's exciting because we have the ability to go ahead and move forward inside of this territory we can use our medical technology, and it doesn't always have to be pharmaceutical. It doesn't always have to be therapy. It, it could be anything, but whatever you do, you just have to reach out and grab it. It's all out there in the ether, it's out there. you know. And there's we live in an age of technology where you can get on Google and you can find, you know, the bare weight of an ad's ass. So you can definitely find somebody to talk to. And that's what we're hoping to do with this podcast is to actually open up one of those lines of communication because if we could be one of those avenues to help somebody, anybody, you know, we're definitely willing to do it, right?
1: Exactly, man. I I hope that we do become one. Yeah, and along with that, we're going to go ahead and slide into a quick
0: intermission and we're going to come back for another segment on mental health. Quick recap so far we've covered 22 a day mental health in the military as well as different things in the arena such as uh substance abuse we're gonna go ahead and talk about different approaches like one of the approaches that we talked about was therapy but there's also group therapy and there's different ways to do group therapy and what's the most common one
1: hey
0: yeah like aa and na uh group settings you know everybody sees the old cliche the stale coffee and the side of the room and the thing that that offers is that you can remain anonymous in those type of groups but at the same time still have a face and still have a voice because as as powerful as the voice is reaching across the airwaves putting a face to the voice is always something that's going to alleviate a little bit more of a problem this is something that started carrying on in the early 90s and now you have groups for everything and, and there's definitely a great tool that I know a lot of people might like to take advantage of right now. I mean, when we started gearing up for this episode, we put out a message, right?
1: Exactly, and all of a sudden we got a pouring in of emails of people wanting to share their stories.
0: Yeah, and they wanted everybody to hear exactly how it is and what it's like. So with that said, we're gonna take this in a direction of somewhat of a narrative. Now these people actually have wrote into us and asked to share their stories, not only of the problems that they had, but the courage that they had to fight back and reach a better spot in life. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and toss it over to the maestro, and he's going to let you guys in on a little bit of the light.
1: Okay, guys. So we have three stories today that I wanted to share, and I appreciate all the emails that were sent into our email, and I promise that in the future episodes we will use them because each one does have a different use, but I felt like these three had a special meaning to this episode. So we'll start off with the first one. The first one named, my mental health journey. I'm gonna start this off with saying that I experienced my first symptoms of anxiety and depression around the second grade, but I didn't piece it together until I was between the sixth grade and my freshman year of high school. I tried to bring it up to my mom one time and instantly got shut down trying to bring it up. It wasn't until I got my hundredth thing of tonsillitis during the end of my sophomore year of high school and went to the doctor to start the process of them getting out that I brought up my symptoms to my doctor. And that's when I was got prescribed lazapam or generic Xanax, as the bottle said. My anxiety wasn't too bad, but the Xanax definitely helped on my bad days of anxiety. I usually self-medicate by smoking weed. With my certain jobs, it prevents from doing that. So you're either forced to suffer through it, or take prescription medications that sometimes can make you feel like shit. One instance really sticks out to me, it was when I was with my now ex-boyfriend. I was laying in bed doing my own thing while he was on his Xbox playing some random game I can't remember. Remember laying there feeling like I couldn't breathe because I felt like I had an elephant on my chest. My heart was racing, what felt like a million miles an hour and just overall bad time. Looking back now, I think that was my very first real bad anxiety attack. And at that time, I didn't know that's what it was. And my mom being my mom at the time, she wasn't any help and didn't take me somewhere where I could get help. So I had to suffer through it until it passed. It was one of the worst experiences of my life. And another thing is other medication makes symptoms of anxiety worse and depression worse, especially in women who take birth control pills or other forms of hormonal birth control. Since being on birth control for the last two and a half years, there are days and sometimes weeks where I feel so depressed or so anxious that I feel like the only answer is taking my own life or just taking off somewhere to escape that feeling. For me, it doesn't always feel like that. Like some months, I don't feel anxious or depressed as much. And then there are some months it feels like hell mentally. Some people need to realize that women take hormonal birth control and go through a lot mentally and sometimes physically. Self-harm is another issue we need to look at too. I started harming myself in sixth grade, and it was about that time I had started therapy for that, and I'm extremely thankful for it that it helped me. I haven't harmed myself in roughly seven years now, and since therapy, I have found healthy coping mechanisms. One that really helped me until I turned 16 was getting tattoos oddly enough. Getting tattoos was a way to be hurt, but not directly cutting myself, and I received some beautiful tattoos out of the process. So to sum this up, don't take mental health into your own hands when it comes to receiving or finding help with whatever mental health issues you may have, whether it's finding someone just to talk to, checking yourself into a mental health facility, or going to your doctor to talk about it. Getting the proper medication, we need to start taking mental health more seriously or we're going to lose more people to suicide or find more people who self-harm.
0: You see, and there's a lot of things within that narrative that ring so true the first thing that popped out to me was their first cure was to pump her full of this lorazepam right now I've been on lorazepam that's one of the the drugs that they gave me when I got out of the military because I myself suffered from this as well and the thing is it's an automatic jump to okay we gotta start just drugging these people up and that way we don't have to hear what's actually the root of the problem she said that she self-medicated with cannabis right now this is everybody knows that cannabis has an effect that relaxes you and it also has, uh, it helps with pain receptors as well. Cool. But one of the biggest things that it helps you with is your mental welfare. They have different drugs, when we were talking about uh, the whole group setting, they have studies where they've already okayed it for soldiers and veterans in group settings to use MDMA and there's definitely different ways to go about your drugs
1: exactly because remember we talked about everything in portions so even if you use weed and yes we both agree that weed is beneficial you can still take too many aspirin and still die you know what i'm saying you can still drink too much coffee your heart explode so too much of something doesn't make it necessarily a good thing
0: everything needs to be enjoyed in moderation which is a big problem in america because America is the land of excess. Exactly. We're the land of the, the double big goal. And that's just how we've always built our stature. So we're known for going to these exorbitant lengths just to be outrageous and extreme. And that carries into the arena of, you know, what's going on the other side of the spectrum. I mean, if you have these high highs, then your lows are going to be really bad. And our lows in our society right now, as she was talking, as she was speaking, and I was listening to that story, I was hearing how that these lows are affecting her. In her world, everybody just wanted to quiet her
1: down. Exactly, and because like you said, when we talked about earlier about the parents, when she tried to bring this up to her mom, it was like her mom totally dismissed it. And it's probably not because her mom dismissed her, it was just her mom probably was like, you know what, I've probably been through worse, so just because I've been through worse means you
0: because your mom and dad walk uphill you know the school 20 feet in fucking
1: snow and- exactly
0: so it's you're come it's a generational gap that we're trying to uh, bridge once again that's what we're coming down to As that's the whole theme of how we're trying to fix this situation you have a couple more stories that these people wanted to get out we're listening to listen to uh, another one of them. And then we're going to go ahead and see what we can pull out of that story.
1: Go ahead, man. So, story number two. It goes, two years ago, when her and I were just friends, she was about to commit suicide. We were both on third shift. I was sleeping. I was addicted to sleeping pills. I took 40 melatonin and 2 Ambien at the same time every day. I laid down at 3 p.m., And I woke up at about 7 p.m. to a message on my phone from her saying goodbye and her intentions to end her life because she's been hurt and let down too many times. She was engaged at the time. She and her fiancé had an argument that day and told him that she was going to end her life at the park next to her apartment. He said she just needed some time to relax and he let her walk out the door. She returned to the apartment and he left her to go to a friend's house for a bit because he said she still needed some alone time. She began texting goodbye messages to her loved ones. I got mine at 7 p.m. I was confused at first and began asking her the common questions you'd expect to be asking. What's going on? Where are you? Are you okay? I begged her not to do it. I was freaking the fuck out about it. I told her to just hold on and I'd be right there. I got my keys and got dressed and I drove from Carroll to Gage Town, Stoned as hell on pills. I was swerving all over. Luckily I didn't get pulled over. I pounded on her door until she let me in. When she let me in, I followed her to the bathroom where the light was off and she fell to her knees and cried her heart out and opened up to me about what happened and her struggle with chronic depression there was an entire bottle of antidepressants on the floor i held her and comforted her for about three hours i just let her know she was loved and important that even though her fiance was a piece of shit she was still meant something to her daughter and i i called in that night to work to make sure she'd be a safe and her fiance is returning he and her ended up talking about what happened i left and she thanked me and for what i did we both agree that's the moment that brought us together Well,
0: right there you have like an external thing that's going on there. You wonder what happens in the mind of somebody who comes to that point where they believe that they want to end their life or that they need to end their life. This young person obviously felt that another person was worth taking their life over and that's never the answer for anybody and that's a a message that we'd like to put out there. Everybody knows about the most famous suicide in time which is Romeo and Juliet. We live in a time where Romeo and Juliet is once again taken to excess. I have to be one to say, sorry William Shakespeare, there's nothing romantic about suicide. You know what I'm saying? Right. And if you feel like somebody is that important to you, that you have to take that avenue, then reach out and start talking to more people because That's one person, but you could have a whole lot of people in your life that think a lot differently of you. And like this story ended out rather well, they found each other and they're living in a relatively happy manner.
1: Yeah. And, you know, now people think that when people go, they reach out and tell people that they're going to hurt themselves or they're going to do something like that. That they're looking for attention. And I hope people realize that that's not the case. I hope people don't Not all the time. Not 100%
0: of the time. There are some,
1: but... There are some attention seekers, but for the majority of the people that are actually looking for help, for the majority of people that are actually trying to get help and look for help, and when they do reach out to you, you know what? At least you can answer your phone and be like, hey, what's going on? Exactly. Yeah, I
0: mean... Even if they are crying wolf, don't take that chance, because tomorrow is never promised. Yeah. So, that's just the general idea. Approach every situation the same, if somebody's gonna come to you and they're gonna ask you for help, whether or not they're attention-seeking or not, don't roll those dice. We live in Vegas, we live in a gambling capital of the world, but those are just some dice you wanna put down, open your up, and listen.
1: And the only reason why I say that people should at least answer or listen is because I lost a friend two days later after he called me. And I hadn't talked to him in a long, long time, like probably almost four or five years. But he was going through his phone, reaching out. He was a, had a dark moment. And I was at work at that time and I didn't answer the phone. And by the time I got around to it and I was back to camp that I just you know, whatever. So like I said, it's important that even if somebody does reach out and it does seem like they're just looking for attention, just say, you know, what's up, what's going on, things like that, because something like that, people in this world is so It could mean the world to somebody. Exactly.
0: So you have a couple more stories. Did you want to get into one last one?
1: I got one last one for everybody.
0: All right, we're going to go ahead and jump into that.
1: All right. So this one didn't have a title either, but uh, she wanted me to share it with you guys. Uh, she goes, When I was younger, I knew I needed some type of help, but I was honestly ashamed of myself. Once I came out about how I was feeling to my mom, she took me to the doctor, and the doctor suggested counseling. I then talked with a counselor, and at times I felt it didn't help. Years went on. I still lived daily with my disorders, but more things began happening as I got older. Three years ago, when I was living in what I thought was happiness but was really hell, I decided I needed to talk to my doctor again. I was at drinking heavily at the point i got operating while intoxicated. First time i ever gotten in trouble, sat in jail for 12 hours. I realized I needed to put my big girl pants on and it was time to grow the fuck up, so I went back to my doctor and started counseling. When I was younger, I used to have panic attacks so badly my mom holding me on the floor as I just laid there shaking uncontrollably. I had a lot of things that happened in my life. My real dad never seemed to have any interest in me or my life, but wanted to act as if he was father of the year to everyone. Told told me on the day of my graduation party that I'll never amount to anything in my life. My ex-boyfriend and my relationship was toxic as they come, mentally and physically abusive, to the point cops were involved several times we couldn't get away from each other i sat and dealt with someone who called me a fat piece of shit and i was lazy and worthless and i believed him sometimes i would numb myself any way i could do i couldn't feel me being me i let my life fall around me i had people constantly go in and out of my life i felt as if i wasn't good enough to being asked to get an abortion. So she you know, she shared, shared her story with her and I asked her, do you have any tips or advice for someone who might be going through a situation like yourself? And her tip was, you deserve better. You have so much life to live. Take it one day at a time, breathe. Everything ends up working out. God has a plan.
0: And that's a general sentiment that, that everybody can walk away feeling good about. You just have to keep pushing on. But at the same time, you do need to reach out if you need that extra though. The reason I say that is because you could be the strongest person in the world. But even Atlas' shoulders would give out every once in a while. You can't push that boulder up that, that that hill all by yourself all the time. So reach out, talk to somebody, and if somebody's treating you horribly, you got to watch these venomous people and they feed off of you and they take every everything that you have in your life the energy that you need to make yourself happy it's just gone because it's, it's
1: being taken up by these vampires exactly because people are so misery loves company exactly so happy bringing other people down while they're trying to fix themselves instead of worrying about their own mental health and what the fuck's going on in their own life so they'd rather take you down and them down and them down because if everybody else around them suffering you know what Loves company. Exactly.
0: One of the things that I seen that was a reoccurring issue in all of these stories is something that we touched on earlier, which is substance abuse. Right. A lot of the times that these individuals that we just heard from, what was their first thing? Whether and and it it didn't have to come from the street. It also came from the medical side as well. So either way, shape, or form, one of the biggest reoccurring themes is some kind of pharmaceutical right and this is a thing that i like to ramble on about i go on tangents a lot about big pharma and like different things that capitalism has went the wrong direction in. not that i'm against capitalism i am I'm a capitalist 100 percent but big pharmaceutical companies these are the companies that are just basically making money off of all of our mental health And they're not offering anything in return other than more drugs. It's almost become a racket. So when you have these individuals that need actual help, you know, like the individuals that we just heard from, I mean, those are three people. We've gotten many, many responses.
1: You were talking about that, right? Exactly. You know what's messed up? Like you were talking about the pharmaceutical. It's cheaper to go get a Xanax prescription than it is to go see a therapist. How fucked up is it that it's cheaper to go pop a pill than it is to go talk to somebody about your problems? Well, when it comes to Big Pharma, I see this a lot
0: because I come from the state of Florida. And my drive in the morning, I literally counted 15 different pill mills. And what a lot of people don't understand, a pill mill, they think of something back alley, a little rundown building. No, these are your Walgreens. These are your CVSs. Where do you think these Xanax, where do you think these oxycodones come from? I can guarantee you, they're not making them in the housing projects, like they were making crack back in the early 90s. These are all coming from the pharmaceutical companies. Now when it comes to the psychotropic things, I get it, There's there's a chemical imbalance in your brain. That's what they like to say. Sometimes there's just a misfire in your brain. Whatever your affliction is, it's always different and everybody's going to have a different treatment to how they work because everybody's biology is different. there's That's inarguable. That's when they start doing it themselves, mixing in the heroin and stuff like that or whatever, then they're just self-medicating. Now they're messing with stuff that they find on the streets and they're still medicating with the psychotropic drugs that
1: they're getting prescribed and that's why i was saying you're messing up your chemistry your whole body chemistry is getting screwed over exactly because like i was saying earlier you're either these people that are addicted to the pain medications when they're withdrawn their symptoms that they have that is psychoactive happening in their brain with schizophrenia things like that depression it all is gonna affect the fucking outcome of what happens with mental health
0: you're just mixing a bunch of chemicals into a pot you're the pot and some things might not jive right with other things and you throw in your third erratic biological response then you're gonna have a catastrophe
1: just waiting to happen the from the time now to time back then, what have you learned about your own mental health? Because, because you got into, uh, you got into an injury that caused PTSD or caused you to have a TBI, right? So how is that? How has that affected you mentally? Well, before I get off on that, I wanted to compound
0: on that. That other point is whether you're taking drugs from the streets or whether you're taking drugs that are being prescribed to you in the end like if you're taking drugs from the streets and like you said you're starting to withdraw what is the first thing they do to you they put you on something like suboxone or whatever whatnot right. so what it all boils down to is no matter which way you go the road always ends with big pharma making a lot of money and we're not benefiting from any of this so we need to start finding a different avenues. to answer your question now what happened to me is I actually had a parachuting accident and I bounced my head off the ground. I had a traumatic brain injury. It was compounded with equilibrium. I also had problems prior to that. I went through some of the some of the worst deployments known to date when I was on them. I've made a couple documentaries of them. So I suffered from PTSD and night terrors. I have a service dog who actually sleeps with me, and when I start going into those modes of where I'm gonna have a night hair, she wakes me up. Now, what I've learned about the brain is that it's magnificent. We do not know, not even a gigabyte of information worth, of what we can do with our brains, and what our brains are, and how they work, when I went through my accident, <clears throat> excuse me, when I went through my accident, I actually lost some memories. And that caused a lot of depression because I don't remember my daughter's birth. And not only that, but it messed with the chemical imbalances in my head. I had a lot of white matter in my brain. that. So I went through bouts of depression, and that was only compounded by the amount of drugs that they were giving me when I got out. Once I cleaned myself out of all these, I found out that There are different ways, different avenues. You just have to be willing to take that leap. And then you also have to be willing to fail. Because if that doesn't work, you have to be able to recognize, okay, this isn't working. I'm going to stop. I'm going to purge myself again. And I'm going to take a different route.
1: Now, what symptoms did did you start realizing that you needed help with? You know what I'm saying? Was your attitude that changed? Was it... You know, was it fucking, you couldn't relate to people? Did you just want to stay by yourself? You know what I'm saying? Because there's people out there that have TBIs and stuff, and I want you to be able to explain to people. Well, the TBI
0: itself, I mean, that could be an array of different types of uh, injuries. I mean, because, like I said, we're all individuals, and the, like, whatever happens to us, it could affect us in different ways. The biggest part about depression that I had, I don't think really was part of the TBI thing. It's more along the lines of, not being able to re-enlist or being in the military anymore. This is a big problem when it comes to mental health and depression because you, you gotta realize these young men and women they're coming back from a position to where they do something that matters you know on a world scale. No matter how small and minute their part is, they're part of the giant machine. When you get out of there you're no longer there. You're no longer with your buddies and You don't have that camaraderie with your regular colleague at wherever your job is. Right. You know, it's a whole different lifestyle that you have to adjust to, and for some people that's just too much of a shock. I've had instances where I've had buddies, you know, call me and they're actually fighting to stay in the military and they lost that battle, and when they lost that battle, they felt like the only thing that they could do is take their life. And I've always tried to be there for them, and sometimes you just can't be there, but all you can do is, like I said, keep that line, communication open.
1: Exactly, exactly. So I want everybody to realize that I understand, you know, everybody goes through shit, you know what I'm saying, everybody has a rough day, What rough month, rough year, maybe a rough fucking decade. But you want to know it? As long as you're getting up out of bed, you're fucking going out, and you're achieving the best person that you can be, that's all that fucking matters. At the end of the day, it's not what, you know, your mom, your dad, or your family, or any. As long as you are okay, as long as you know at your heart that you're at peace, that's all that matters. So I want everybody that is going through some shit just to know that. We're thinking about you, and if you ever need an outlet, reach us out on our fucking Facebook page, message us through Instagram, we'll get back to you, so I want to end this off, and leave this to my buddy, that guy,
0: (laughs) alright, yeah, so everything he said, did it, also, we were going to do a two hour episode, but the outrageous response that we had From all the stories and everybody just wanted to get in, we decided what we're going to do is little intermittent pieces and we're going to go ahead stack those up until it reaches May, which is Mental Health Month. And we're going to go ahead drop those in little snippets, little episodes, and we're going to do another full episode at that time. That way we can get everybody's voice out there and we like to experiment with this little anchor thing to where we can actually do interviews with the people who write in and tell us these stories yeah, so with that said from that guy and al rocho <laughs> till the next trip man the music that was playing in the background you can find that at soundcloud.com forward slash royalty free music and if you're interested in getting involved with the mission 22 movement you can find them at mission22.com forward slash hashtag our cause go ahead take it away roach
1: and if you feel sad or lonely please feel free to reach out to the national suicide prevention hotline at 1-800-273-8255